So is this thing on my neck turned on? Can you hear me? Cool. I'm super surprised to see so many of you, considering the weekend we have. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Um, everybody's heart's filled with love. You get candy on your way in? I hope. That was our way of thanking you for being here today. I just got back from Denver yesterday morning. It was a doozy of a trip, but really, uh, really enjoyable, but just a lot going on. So I'm getting my feet back under me, but it's super nice to be back home. I was going to tell you something about that, but I just changed my mind because I don't remember what it was I was going to tell you about it. So it's convenient when that happens, isn't it? Um, I remember one thing I was going to tell you. So in light of the really good giving month we had, thank you for those of you that contributed to that. We're able to send Brett and Taylor. If you don't know Brett and Taylor yet, will you guys say howdy? Um, Brett and Taylor, as you know, have been leading worship for us over the last few months, and it's been really fun for me. I don't know about you, but I've been really loving it. And we're getting to send them up. They're going to road trip up to Cannon Beach, Oregon tomorrow to go to a worship leader retreat for about, what, you guys will be back Friday or Saturday morning or something? So, yeah, so we get to send them up to get some equipping and some time with really experienced vineyard worship leaders and just to be together at the beach, I guess a different beach, a rocky beach, and really enjoy that and, and get really filled up and get some input. So, yeah, so that's one of the things that they're going to be doing. Um, what else? Yeah, Taylor. Yeah. Let's do that real quick. Let me, will you join me? And let's pray for them real fast. Yeah. yeah, Jesus, thank you for what happens in our hearts through worship. Thank you for calling wonderful people into our community that are just insanely talented when it comes to music. Thank you that you're going to transform these two, not into just musicians, but to worship leaders. And give them a safe trip there, a safe trip back, and may they encounter you in such a profound way that they would come back and selfishly that we would all benefit like crazy. We can just suck them dry when they get back because they have so much of your presence and your spirit. Yeah, thank you for providing and, and positioning them and us to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say actually about my Denver trip. You ever find, I was thinking about how we pray for, for safe travel and then we get mad about road construction, remember? And then we're like, wait, Jesus is like, this is how I'm answering your prayer is by people actually fixing these roads so you can get where you want to go safely. Like, this is how people participate in my kingdom, is by helping you get to where you want to be safely, right? And so I thought about that as I was flying back from Denver yesterday. My flight was delayed. And at first I was just like, ah. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is my fault. <laughs> because I prayed that I'd have a safe flight. And so that means that the pilot's going to do what he needs to do to make us get there safe. So I, had to tell, I got up and apologized to everybody on the plane. I was like... The delay is my fault, um, but just changing my perspective about all that stuff, so. All right. How we doing? We okay? Yeah, we're going to jump into some Lord's Prayer this morning, and my mind has gone four or five or 12 different directions with that, so you're welcome, and uh, have fun following along. But I'm really excited about what we're going to jump into. I, I have a video clip that I want to show you in a couple of minutes. Not just yet. Um, but let's just pray as we transition into hearing from Scripture, all right? 
Father, thank you for how you've been meeting us this morning. Thank you for calling us deeper into your love. Thank you for showing us more of who you are and who we are and how we are profoundly accepted and approved of and embraced in you. Would you help us to set aside any distractions, any lies, any hindrances this morning? And may your peace come flooding into our heart and just that sense of assurance that we could say, Daddy, I belong to you, that all is okay in the world when we can say that with assurance and confidence. It might not feel like it. It might not look like it around us, but that our hearts would truly know, Daddy, I belong to you. In Jesus' name. So what I was tempted to do right there and I couldn't bring myself to do was to um, kind of pray a fake prayer. One of those prayers where you're like, God the Father, Lord of hosts, Jesus King, because the kind of prayers you pray when you don't know what to call God. Um, and we're going to talk for a few minutes about prayer. And I want to I read something to you, actually, as we look at the Lord's Prayer. Just hold off one more minute. I want to read something to you that comes from a few centuries after the time of Jesus, but it's the same idea as we jump into the Lord's Prayer. I don't even know how to describe this. It's just a hot mess of labels. But in the time of Jesus, what would happen is when people would pray, and even when they would address anything about the Caesars or, or any of the gods, they would use as many titles as possible so that they could make sure they use the right one to catch the gods or Caesar's attention. Would you like an example from the fourth century? This is the opening of a decree issued by Galerius, easing the persecution of Christians just before the age of Constantine. This is how it opens. This is just the like, hi there, blank. The Emperor Caesar, Galerius, Valerius, Maximinus, Invictus, Augustus, Pontificus Maximus, Germanicus Maximus, Egypticus, Egypticus Maximus? Wow. Phoebicus Maximus, Sarmenticus Maximus, five times. It literally says that. Five times. Persicus Maximus, twice. Carpicus Maximus, six times. Arminicus Maximus, Medicus Maximus, Abendicus Maximus, holder of the tribunical authority for the 20th time, emperor for the 19th, consul for the 8th, Pater Patria Proconsul. Who's exhausted already? <laughs> Who am I talking to? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Where am I? I just blacked out. That was just the introduction of a letter of a decree by one of the Caesars. And that was nothing compared to some of the openings of the prayers that they would pray because they had to lay out every single label you could think of for the gods just so that you could make sure that you got the gods' attention. It's a nice thing that we never do that in Christianity, right? But um, I have a little video for you guys that you might not find funny at all. Um, if you don't, I'm not going to tell you that I find it funny. But I do think it's a pretty, um, yeah, awkward yet true example of sometimes what prayer looks like for us. Who feels weird and awkward about praying in public or at least has had a season where you're like, yeah, praying in public, that's just not for me. Here's, here's somebody we can learn from. Um, I hope this all comes through all right. That's not it. Is that look saying, you need my help? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's Taylor saying she needs my help. 
just go ahead and hang in the suspense for a moment. It will be worth it. Yeah, just click this. Uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know that. You're telling me the Jews All right, we have sound. Can everybody hear it? This is from the movie Meet the Parents. Anybody heard of it? Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace and many at a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. Lovely. That was interesting, too. Who's impressed? Yeah. How many of you guys are taking notes? You're like, that's good. I'm going to use that next time I'm at my in-laws. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of yeah, getting out of future prayers. Prayer could be so awkward. And so Jesus... He finds himself faced with his disciples. And in Luke 11, they're like, Master, he's out praying. They're like, teach us how to pray. Now, think for a minute. Let me actually hear from you. What are some of the names of God that we encounter throughout Scripture? There's so many. What are some of the examples of, of just the names or the things that God has been referred to as throughout Scripture? Go ahead and say them. Jehovah. Father. Yahweh, omniscient one, hosts of hosts, king of kings, Abba. What else? How about Jehovah Rapha, the healer, the great I am, Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Elohim, the plural one God. Anything else? Names of God. There are many, right? We could easily do this thing. How many of you have found yourself doing that sometimes when you're praying? Like, wait, even when you start thinking about God being Father, Son, and Spirit, you can get a little tripped up, right? Like, uh, so wait, Jesus, I'm talking to you, but I was just talking about you sending your Son. But wait, you're Jesus. You are the Son, but uh, I'm going to stop praying now because this is awkward. I don't know who I'm talking to. 
And so Jesus' disciples, they say, teach us how to pray. And he says, all right, I'll teach you how to pray. And he starts with these two insanely simple words that are loaded with so much meaning. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. He says, this is how you should pray. By the way, this is right after he had, Taylor, we go to the next slide real quick? Not that one. This is kind of what we've been talking about, right? Matthew 6, 5 through 8. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. That's what Jesus was talking about. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Wow, that's pretty beautiful. Jesus is saying that pressure you feel in prayer to nail it and make it exactly clear and specific, exactly what you think you need. You don't even know what you need, He's saying. (laughs) You have no idea. But the Father does. So why don't you pray like this? And he starts off with these two words. Our Father. He could have said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He could have said, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Rapha. He could have said Elohim. And he says, nope. Start like this. Our Father. Super interesting. Do you remember last week, the passage that we're looking at right before Jesus said these words? He said, when you pray, don't go do it out in front of everybody to try to show them what a cool prayer you are. He said, but when you pray, go into your storeroom, go into your pantry, go into your closet, your garage, and pray there in secret. Because your Heavenly Father, who's already there in the secret place, He's waiting to meet you there. And so Jesus says, go ahead and Spend some time alone with God. And he's just told them to do that. And then he says, oh, and when you're there alone in that quiet, secret place all by yourself, pray this, our Father. That's weird. Our Father. Yesterday, I was at Josh's basketball game. And... I don't know if you guys noticed this, Skip and Susan, I, Josh and Dylan's teams were playing each other. And I had just literally got straight, I got to the basketball game straight from the airport. And Zach hadn't seen me yet, and Nathan had seen me just on the drive back from the airport. So I'm sitting there at the basketball game, and Zach wanted to sit on my lap. So Zach is sitting on my lap, his fro is kind of covering my vision, I'm trying to like see the game around him. And Nathan notices... And he comes over, so I'm sitting there, big old Zach, huge, right here. And Nathan comes over, and he starts trying to push Zach off of me. And Nathan starts saying, my daddy, my daddy, pushing Zach. And then Zach goes, my daddy, (laughs) pushing back. And then it turned into, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. You probably didn't notice, but it was like all quiet. And then I'm like, stop. My daddy, my daddy, my daddy. Interesting that Jesus doesn't say, pray this way, my Father. He says, pray our Father. There will be no possessiveness with this God. This God meets all of us. In other words, there's room in this Father's lap for all of you at the same time. Isn't that beautiful that the very first word in the Lord's Prayer doesn't say anything necessarily about God directly, but it says, you 
are and always have been and always will be a part of a family. The very first word of the Lord's Prayer reminds you that you are connected with something greater. That you are praying alongside brothers and sisters that you are not alone. It's reflecting what Paul says later in Ephesians 1. That the dream in God's heart from the very beginning was to adopt us into God's own family. Jesus says, remember that whenever you pray. Our Father. You are part of something bigger than yourself. You're connected to all these people. You feel alone in your little alone place in your pantry, your storeroom, but you are not alone. You're joining the prayers of those past, those present, those future under this one Father, through me, Jesus, His firstborn Son. That's kind of cool. Our Father. And then there's this interesting word that Jesus uses, and it's, it's not the word Father. The word Father in Greek is pater, P-A-T-E-R. And the Lord's Prayer doesn't use that word. It's this simple word, Abba, A-B-B-A. It's actually the first word that a child in Jesus' day would have learned. The first word to come off of their lips would have been Abba. Not only was it a word for daddy, it's this word of intimacy, of familiarity, of closeness, of, of no distance, but it was also a word of respect. Students would use it to their teachers. People would use it to other respected ones, to authority figures. It was, teenagers could use it. It wasn't just little kids to daddy like dada, and then they'd grow out of it. They wouldn't grow out of it. The term would actually grow to fit the relationship. Jesus says, pray like this, Abba, Daddy, our Abba. It's interesting because this Abba word, not only is it the beginning, the most of the Lord's prayer has to do with the kingdom coming, the kingdom of God and God's provision. But it's so interesting that Abba is the way that Jesus wants to lay the foundation for the whole entire thing. He says, look it. This whole idea of kingdom, this idea of revolution, all these things embedded in here, this is built on the foundation of family. This is built on the foundation of relationship. When you're looking at Scripture, one of the things that's important to note is where is the first time, they call it the rule of first mention. Where is the first time that this concept happens? And that will give you a hint into what really is going on there. Can you think of the first time that God was referred to as Father, or there was Father language of God in Scripture? It's all the way back in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 4. And this actually has to do with this idea of what name we use for God. In Jesus' time, and actually the times before, the way that you referred to God was indicative of what the relationship is. That was, the name was the mode through which you communicated with the God. That's why Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, when he encounters the burning bush, and he sits, gets this sense of, hey, we're just talking about you. My mama. Um, <laughs> see, I told you. Um, when Moses encounters the burning bush, and God speaks to Moses through the bush. You remember the question Moses asks? Who do I say, who do I tell them sent me? 
Moses is saying, how do I relate to you? Who are you? And God's answer is something that nobody really knows how to translate. It's something along the lines of, I am who I always will be and always have been and always will continue to be. Just tell them that. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Why didn't you say so? My name is too complex to even tell you. We'll just say I am, meaning like pure essence, pure life. The next chapter, Moses goes to Pharaoh, and he tells Pharaoh, the Lord says, this I am says, this, these slaves, Egypt, this is my firstborn son. Let them go. Interesting. This is my firstborn son. Let them go that they may serve me. Jesus is bringing us back. Oh, there it is. That was amazing. Exodus 4.22, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. I said to you, Let my son go, that he may worship me. Jesus is reminding his disciples of the story of the Exodus when the Israelites, as slaves, were brought out of their slavery into liberty, redemption, and into the promise of God. Do you think that Jesus might be doing the same thing on a new scale through the Lord's Prayer? By starting with the word Father, he's not just talking about intimacy, although he is. He's not just talking about closeness and familiarity. He's also saying, remember, before you were sons and daughters, you were slaves, and God went and liberated you and brought you into a land of promise. Jesus is saying, that's what we're talking about here all over again on a whole new scale. As soon as you pray the word Father, you're praying for freedom, for liberty, for revolution, for a whole new exodus, a whole new movement of God in the world. The word Abba was not just a term of familiarity and intimacy, it was a term of hope. This God is the God that sets us free and will continue to set us free and bring us into a land of beauty and promise and delight and restoration. Remember that when you say, our Father, is what Jesus is saying. There's a whole new thing going on here. So this word Abba is a word of intimacy. It's a word of revolution. And it's also a word of commission. Let me ask you something. What was Jesus' vocation before he went out to teach and preach and do all that fun stuff? He was a carpenter. Was that because he met with Geska and did... Vocational counseling? Did he take strengths finder? And he's like, ooh, I got it. Carpenter is in my top five strengths. Do you think Jesus had like this profound process to go through to discern that he was going to be a carpenter? Why was Jesus a carpenter? Because his dad was a carpenter. Interesting. So by default, Jesus followed in the footsteps of his father. Whatever Joseph did, Jesus, by default, would do. Is that the same for the apostles? Why do you think Peter was a fisherman? Probably a good bet that his dad was a fisherman. So about six, sometimes being a parent is scary, isn't it? Now, okay, let me rephrase that. Being a parent is always scary. <laughs> but there are those moments when it really hits you in the face like, wow, this is what I've got myself into? One of those moments for me was a few months ago, I took Josh and Sarah and Nathan, Zach, we all went out to play tennis, and I love to pit Sarah and Josh against each other and just watch them have this, like, battle on the tennis court, but 
So I was sitting back watching them play, and it was a beautiful day, and the sun was coming down, and I was thinking, ooh, vitamin D sounds nice. So I just, nobody was around, so I took my shirt off, and I'm just sitting there soaking up some sun, as you do. Next thing I know, some little dude that's standing right over there comes over to me, and he starts yanking up his shirt. And I'm like, oh, I know what he wants. So I take his shirt off, and then I go back to watching Sarah and Josh, and then I turn and look next to me. And I was kind of sitting there with my hands back, just because I was sitting on the ground. I look over, how do you think Nathan is sitting? The exact same way, with his hands back and his shirt off, just looking at me, like trying to watch and wait and see what I do next. Scary. <laughs> Super scary. But what an honor. See, when Jesus says, Abba, he says, look it, this is a father that's intimate. This is a father that's close. This is a father that the very first word you learn, the very first person you trust can be Abba. Okay, so usually it's Emma, right, Mama. But Jesus is saying, look it, this is your father. This is your daddy. You can trust him. You can come to him. You can be embraced by him. You can relate to him in a familiar way. He's saying this is a word of revolution. This is the same Abba, the same father that called Israel and released them from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. This is the same Abba. And he says, also, when you pray this prayer, our Father, you're signing up. You're signing up to pay attention to this Father's dreams, desires, way of being, way of acting, way of relating to the world. You're signing up to embody that in your own life in the same way that Nathan does that to me without even realizing how dumb that can be of him to do. You see what I'm saying? This is a call to be apprenticed to the Father in the Father's kingdom work, pursuing the Father's dreams in the world, which is the next place the Lord's Prayer takes us. We'll talk about that next week. Jesus says, when you pray, our Father, know that it's intimate. Know that it's revolutionary that it means there's hope for you, that God is taking you as a group into places of new freedom and liberty and promise. And know that it's a call to discipleship, to mimic, to copy, to embody the life and dreams and desires and ways of being of the one that invited you into this relationship. This is me trying to gauge the time. Catch that? I'm trying to figure out how much to go into the next two loaded words, in heaven. Mm, I don't know if I'm going to do that just yet. Let me just say this about the word in heaven, because heaven is one of those things that we talk about it, but there's so much confusion around what it means. I mean, is heaven a different place? Is heaven a future place only? Is it heaven is all this, and it can't really be contained, but let me just ask this. Have you ever noticed a child, and they get in a situation that they're not familiar with, and their parents are around? What do they do? 
to find a sense of settledness when they find themselves feeling unsettled, when they find themselves with a sense of anxiety or of unclarity, uncertainty, what does the child do? They hide behind their parents. Or they look to their parents for cues, right? They look to their parents to say, uh, I don't know what to do with this. Is this okay? And if dad is calm and mom is calm, then what will the child do? Be calm. And if mom and dad are freaking out, what will the child do? <laughs> Join in. Have you ever, probably not, have you ever been in a situation where the circumstances are absolutely beyond you? Where you do not have the resources or the perspective to make your way forward? And all you're left with is a simple prayer, God, help, give me some perspective here. Give me some sense that you know what's going on, that you know how this is going to work out. Give me some light at the end of the tunnel because I can't see it myself. How many of you are in that place right now? Where you're like, all right, I have this thing happening and it's too big for me and I'm feeling myself feeling a little unsettled and I'm trying to catch the Father's glance to know how I can feel about it. Jesus says, pray this, our Father in heaven, our Daddy, our Abba, who's close, who's near, who's intimate, is also in heaven with an infinite eternal vantage point that can see how it can play out, can see all the forks in the road, can see all the opportunities, all the challenges, and says, hey, you're worried about the future? It's okay. I've been there. I can bring you through it. I think Jesus wanted us to sit in that tension of our Father that's close by, but also our Father that has grand, eternal perspective that cannot be shaken. Because this Father knows what's going on and has the resources to help us deal with it. Let's go back for a moment because I think what Sarah shared earlier has to do with what I just shared a minute ago, but let me, let me step back for a minute because I think it'd be cool for us to take some time and pray into what started building as we were ending up worship, the sense of being summoned into something deeper, the sense of having perspective on different seasons of life. It's really cool for me and Sarah to say that we... I don't even know when it started, but we've been talking the last few days about how really we feel like we've been brought into a really rich season. And we kind of have that feeling. Do you ever get into a good place in life and you're like, okay, when is the crap going to hit the fan? How long is this going to last? You kind of want to just like, just like hold on to it really, really tight because you don't know how long it's going to last. And we're like, first of all, why do we think that way? And so it kind of sends us, our Father, who's in heaven, could you actually help this last a while? <laughs> like... This is nice. I mean, after kidney failure and a father-in-law dying and all these different things going on, and we're actually sitting in a place and we're like, wow, we're, we're breathing. Look at us. Like, we're, we're breathing. We feel like we have our feet underneath us. And, and for some reason, fear comes in, and it's like, yeah, just you wait. You ever have that happen? Like, you don't know what's coming around the corner. Of 
course we don't. We never know what's coming around the corner. And Jesus says, pray this way. Our Father who knows what's coming around the corner. <laughs> CFV, Chris Fela version. How many of you guys kind of need to hear that right now? That our Father knows what's coming around the corner. And that he's not shaken by it. He's not like looking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit for reassurance. They all share that assurance together. And they want to share that assurance with us. Assurance. I have some homework for you and then we're going to pray for each other. And the homework is, I want to encourage you to do this little experiment. Pray the Lord's Prayer at least once a day for the next week. That's all. It takes, what, 30 seconds? Pray the Lord's Prayer. Has anybody been doing that since last week? Yeah? Sir? Anybody else? One person was listening last Sunday. Larry. Yes. High five. Larry wasn't even here. <laughs> That's right. I think what we'll find happen as we pray the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis is that we will start to be more in tune with the ways the Father is already fathering us. I think we'll start to be more in tune with the ways that the Father is actually giving us each day our daily bread. The way that he's protecting us from trial and temptation. The way that he's already currently delivering us from evil. I think that as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we'll find that God is saying, hey, guess what? I've already been praying this for you and with you. I've already been answering it. Now I'm going to open your eyes to see the answers that you haven't even been asking for you. Will anybody do that with us? How many of you guys will jump in and just at least try to pray the Lord's Prayer and just use that to put yourself in a position to see the way God wants to father you? Because that's what this is really about. The Lord's Prayer starts with Father and ends with Kingdom, but really it's to go back to this is the Kingdom of our Father. The beginning is also the end. The starting point is also the end point so that we come around to saying our Father with this rich context of what that really means to know experientially what it's like to be fathered by God. So that when those moments hit us, we look to the Father's eyes and say, do you got this? He's like, wink. Hold on tight. Brace yourself. On my flight back, I get car sick really, really easily. Like I literally, when I fly, I get sick on planes too. And so I wear these little, what are they called, C-bands, right? I think they, I don't know, the Chinese use them. A friend of mine gave them to me. But so I wear those little C-bands and I really, really despise turbulence. I know some of you are like, I love turbulence. But <laughs> sure, just thinking about turbulence, her stomach's like, yeah. I can go up an elevator and get dizzy. <laughs> um, but anyways, so I'm on the f second flight. We're on the flight from San Francisco here to slow. And we're about 10 minutes out from landing. And I'm right in front. I'm in the very first row. And I see the flight attendant get a call from the cockpit. And the call, she kind of like, she, I can see her thinking, processing. She goes, OK, uh-huh, thank you. And then her announcement comes on. And, and you know when you get a feeling that it's just not good news? Like, you can just, I think that speaks to that whole idea of Jesus saying, our Father, like this whole connection, this, just this sense, we're connected to each other in ways that we don't even understand that science is just now starting to be able to identify and articulate for us. And it's eerie. Like, when you get a text message and you know who it is before you check it, how do you know that? Hmm, our Father. But we'll talk about that more soon. So I just knew it was bad news. I could just tell in my gut. So the flight attendant 
she announces, she says, ladies and gentlemen, we're a few minutes out and we're about to hit severe turbulence. And I'm like, there's a lot of words she could have used. <laughs> like, she could have said, like, slight, moderate, some. And she's like, we're going to hit severe turbulence. And so, of course, my amygdala, I'm like, bam, ah. I'm already feeling sick just at the thought of it. I'm, engage, I'm gauging where the closest barf bag is and like how much I'll have to dig through to get to it, right? And I'm like, gosh, dang it. And so I prayed this simple prayer. Jesus, may she be wrong. <laughs> that was my prayer. It was profound. I learned that from my spiritual director from the monastery. Jesus, may she be wrong. And so we're going, and I see us getting closer and closer and passing over Cambria, and we're getting closer and closer, and we hit this this little bump. I'm like, here we go. And then the flight continues. We continue to descend and hit this little bump. The next thing I know, we're landing. And I was like, excuse me, ma'am, what's your definition of severe? <laughs> she was not happy. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't ask her that, but... But then all of a sudden I thought to myself, now wait a minute, were they mistaken? Possibly. Or maybe did Jesus really listen to me? Does Jesus care about turbulence? Does he care about turbulence in our lives? There's a message in there somewhere, isn't there? Does Jesus care about turbulence? Could he actually take the time and energy to like listen to his son that's on a flight that just doesn't want to come home to his family like totally out of sorts, nauseous and having just vomited up his Lara bar? Could Jesus actually care about that? Aren't you so happy that I just gave you that visual? <laughs> Peanut butter cookie if you're curious. <laughs> Sorry. Could Jesus actually care about something that insignificant? Now, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves when Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. We could pray things like, give us today our mortgage payment. (laughs) Give us today the new car we need. And he says, give us today our daily bread. Maybe Jesus cares. Maybe God wants to father us, not in just the big things, but also the little things. And maybe one of the ways that we'll find that out and experience that, have our eyes open to it, was by praying this simple prayer that Jesus left us. So if you're able, will you stand with me real quick? Taylor, will you put it up on the screen for us? You know that here at Coastlands we're fans of liturgy. I'm becoming more and more of a fan of liturgy. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to make this our prayer for the next few Sundays. And we're going to see what ways the Father starts to father us. And maybe even see what ways the Father's already fathering us that we don't recognize.
That's weighty, isn't it? I want to just ask real quick as we have a few more minutes. We have time. Jim, will you and Tay come back up? We're going to just wrap this up with a time of worship, but worship and ministry go together at the end of Coastland. So this means that there's opportunity to get prayer, to pray for others. Um, I just want to ask, who has something that over the last few minutes or from worship that you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, incorporate this into worship? This is something I want to say to my kids. Who has something to share that will help shape the way we pray for one another? Or just something you've had on your heart over the last little bit? Anybody? I think we kind of shared it all at the beginning. So this is what I'm going to do. As they move us into worship, will you put your hand up if you know that you want prayer for something? Maybe it's that just reassurance that the Father knows what's coming around the corner. Maybe you just feel this invitation for God to say, I want to take you deeper still. That, that prayer, that line of that song, as you call me deeper still, that's stirring in you, and you want to engage that in someone to pray for you. Or you just want the Father to father you, and you want to experience that on a new level. If you would like someone to pray with you as we worship, will you put your hand up real quick so that we know who that is? Anybody? All right, so Tina and Carl. We call your names to really embarrass you because that's what we like to do. So can we have a few people come around Tina over here? Who else just now decided to put your hand up? Okay. Can we have a couple people gather around Carl? And anybody else, just feel free to come get somebody and say, hey, will you pray with me? And if someone, God put someone on your heart, go engage them, okay? Larry's going to turn the lights back down. And we're just going to let the Father take us deeper and kind of finish this thing that was started this morning, okay? Father, would you take us to deeper places of knowing your love, of experiencing your love, your goodness, this assurance that you know what's coming around the corner? Would you establish in us this unshakable trust that no matter what comes into our life, we can have the words from the lips of Jesus on our lips? Abba, Daddy, what are you up to? What are you doing? Help me to trust you.